things are going to start happening to me now. You've done all the reading. You're a scholar. You're a professor. You've done all the reading. You've done the intellectual heavy lifting. More or less, he shouldn't die. You wouldn't know a fact if it begged you all night long. want to, like, um, you know, give the wrong impression, because I am... I, I am very high. Fucking ran up behind him with a hatchet. Smash, smash, smash. Yeah. Care. I'm a libertarian. What I'm getting is. Did why? you vote for Joe Jorgensen or Trump? Who? That's Joe the, Jorgensen. That was the perfect answer. Thank you. <laughs> that was And welcome, everybody, to the Libertarian Podcast Review. It's Tyler Yonke. I think we're episode 80. And uh, John Odermatt, one of the OGs in the Libertarian Podcast world, or just maybe it's the podcast world. Welcome, John. I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, Tyler, great to uh, great to be here, man. And I, I got to tell you, your introduction is one of the one of the best dude and i just have you seen that the uh the documentary about the the smash 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 kai uh, kai i have yeah. yes so it's fantastic it, it is and I, I take it just from your question that you've seen it as well then oh yeah oh yeah yeah so i live in uh, northern california up by sacramento and um so when this thing when he first did his thing it was out here in stockton so it was mm -hmm. semi local news and uh, one of the radio shows I listened to in the morning, they were all over it. And so um, just by, by all of that, I've, I've known about Kai, right? And that smash, smash, smash. I mean, I, I took that in. And then, yes, I watched the, the, the thing. sad story. I mean, there's, it's obvious that guy had some mental problems though from day one. For sure. I mean, yeah, it took a, a shocking twist there at the, at the end. But, uh, I mean, yeah, who, who, who knows what happened? I mean, really with that, that whole situation. It seems like he... Kind of, uh, you know, probably should have been talking to a lawyer when he was just really telling yes. exactly what, he, what went down to the police. But uh, yeah. Great segue. You're, you're doing it all here. So um, <laughs> uh, you do a lot of stuff with you. Know, I will get into your show, but uh, as an attorney myself, so uh, I just want to renounce this. Um, Andy and I are going to be doing a, a book review. It's called The Respondent. I don't know if you've heard of Greg Ellis, his whole thing with family court in California. He was a, an actor. Mm -hmm. He's a friend of Johnny Depp. We're going to go through it. So tune into that on Friday because me as an attorney and a little bit autistic, I couldn't help but read this and go, something's missed. And I went and found his court documents. So <laughs> it'll, okay. it'll, be a, it'll, it'll be a fun one. Um, okay, I, back up. But I do want to get into it because you do a lot of like legal analysis stuff on your show. You're uh, Finding Freedom. That's the right name, right? I don't want to mess it yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's the right name. Okay. Yeah, you okay. got it. So, but before we even get there, John, tell us, how did you start this podcasting thing? People know you're Lions of Liberty, but how specifically did you get going into the podcast? And I also want to know how you met Brian and Mark. Like, not like, oh, I met him at college, but like when you first saw him and, and, and some of that connection. So throw that out at us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how much uh, you know people know the story, but yeah, uh, Brian, Mark and I, we were all in the same fraternity at, uh, okay. at Penn State. So, uh, Brian and Mark are, I think three years older than me. So when I pledged the fraternity, they were like, you know, these, these older guys in the house. So, like, so the, my, my first like friendship with them was from like, almost like a, almost like a, a big brother type standpoint, if, if that, okay. uh, if that yeah. makes sense. And I like to put this out there too, like our fraternity, we didn't do any, any gay stuff, any weird stuff like that. <laughs> it was just, uh, just doing pushups and making fun of each other. Like, you know, like most people on the East Coast do, we like to make fun of each other. So our, our friendship uh, is, is, is largely built around that. If, you, if you've listened to you know, many of our libertarians and living rooms drinking liquor stuff, there's, there's a lot of uh, banter back and forth. But like how Lions of Liberty as a podcast started, um, that really started around Ron Paul. So back in 2007, when he first like announced his bid to run for the Republican nomination way back then, um, Mark and our buddy Howie already knew about him. I hadn't heard of him. And it just so happened around that time, I moved out to California. Brian and Mark were mm -hmm. living out there. I got a job after, um, well, job after college, then my job transferred me out to California. Um, so I was hanging out with, uh, with Mark and Brian and, and, uh, we're at a, I'm with Mark at a you know, dive bar somewhere. 
in uh it was some like the the middle of no it wasn't like in la i, I forget why we were even there we were out in like the uh well i i lived in the inland empire but we weren't even yeah. we were like in the we were like in the middle of nowhere um i think mark was like trying to talk to a uh a bartender or something hey. anyway so 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 we're in this bar and uh he starts talking about ron paul you know this republican who's anti-war and um he's talking about the federal reserve and i was kind of blown away because i always thought mark was like a, a raging leftist uh, i was yeah. sort of on the the neoconservative side of things i was I, I used to get in like heated arguments in college about you know george w bush and how great he was and how you know he was spreading democracy in the middle east and all this stuff what, what year so, did you graduate college? 2006. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so was yeah. Prime, prime Bush area. Yeah. Prime, prime Bush time. Yeah. And uh, I was, I was into it for a while. Um, and then, so, I mean, it's not like Mark changed my mind upon mentioning the name Ron Paul and, you know, flipped a switch or anything, but that kind of just like set me down the, the YouTube rabbit hole of like looking at Ron Paul's speeches and, um, reading some of his books and it was, yeah, it was just like really built from my path to libertarianism was really built from the federal reserve aspect of it. Like once I understood that the whole monetary system was a farce, then I went and looked at foreign policy. I'm like, wow, this is all tied to the money, to the monetary system. And it just, it just kind of exploded from there. And the way lines of Liberty started, that was, around 2012 timeframe when Ron Paul did his second um, campaign, um, we had like started like a, an email chain back in the day when people had emails, email, email yeah. chain, Facebook and forums and all this stuff. Uh, we would just, you know, send articles to each other and, you know, talk about them and put out these like long, long discussions back and forth. And after a while, we're like, why don't we start one of those blogs and uh, we'll just talk about this stuff there. So we just started a blog, called it Lions of Liberty because we like liberty, went to Penn State, Lions of Liberty, Penn State Nittany Lions. Yeah. And uh, that's really how it started. We started just a blog on like, uh, I think it was called Blogger. Is that what is that what Google had back in the day? Yes. Then eventually, eventually moved it to WordPress. And uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of just kind of went from there. And then from like for, for my show, what I got into, um, I had someone uh someone close to me in our family actually in, in my wife's family that was in college and got tied up in a um undercover um sting operation really for um selling marijuana and he had this undercover cop that came to him multiple times buying to buy increasing quantities of pot to get to the point that they could you know charge a felony and all this stuff they did a raid it was a whole whole terrible thing he ended up going to uh, to jail for about a year, was in halfway house for a while, um, has a felony on his record. And that whole situation kind of set me down the um, you know path with criminal justice reform. And that's when I started um, Felony Friday. And Felony Friday just really started out just looking at a lot of these crazy things that were happening, writing about them first. And then once Mark started a podcast, um, he would bring me on, you know, every so often to, to talk about some of these stories. And so we, we split off and, and well, we didn't split off at that point. Mark had a podcast outlet and Brian and I did most of the writing and we started looking at the numbers. This was when podcasts were very, very early. Yeah. I mean, I think Mark, I think Mark started, uh, the first lines of Liberty podcast, like the same time Tom, Tom Woods started. So it's been, it's been around that long. And uh, we looked at the numbers. We're like, well, thousands of people are listening to this podcast and hundreds of people are reading this <laughs> blog. Like, why are we, why are we writing this blog? Right. So then, then I launched the, uh, the podcast form of uh, Felony Friday. And I, I mean, you asked about like, was I zeroed in on what I wanted to do? No, not at all. Like, I, I thought I was just going to just talk about these stories and maybe have some guests on every once in a while. But it just kind of gained this momentum. I can't even really explain it where I just started making connections in the criminal justice community. And it's a very tight knit community. Everyone knows each other, you know, people who've been to yeah. prison and helped other people get out of prison with, with clemency and whatnot. And there's these organizations that just have tremendous reach. Um, and people just started recommending people for my show. You got to check out this person's story, this person's story. 
and it, it just snowballed from there. And I mean, yeah, before I knew it, I, every Friday I was interviewing, you know, someone else who'd been to prison for a nonviolent crime, just sharing just incredible stories. And that's, that's how that happened. I did that for, for years, a long time. Wait, when did you start? So I, I, did a, a kind of a review of your show of the Lions yeah, of Liberty yeah. and, and going back through the catalog, it was really, it was Mark doing the, the, the podcast to begin with. So when did you start yours? As you said, you know, you started to do yours as well. Uh, do you know what time period uh, you, you started doing yours on? I, I think it's been almost eight years. Does that make sense? So if it's 2023, that would be what, 2015, 14, 15. Yeah. I think 2015 about that. Yeah. Um, it's a interesting part. So you get uh, connections for people. So some of the things I want to talk to you about here is actually the development of your, of a podcast in, in general. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're, it's, it's one thing to come on and, and interview some people and maybe do some research for it. But if you're doing a criminal justice things, it seems like to me, you might have to do a little bit more work than just uh, the Larry King style where you haven't read <laughs> anything at all. Uh, did you do a lot of work for, for this? And, and, and how does it, how does it manifest itself for you when you, you find a host and then the topic, how much work do you put into the, the, the behind the scenes stuff? Yeah, man. I mean, that's really, really good question. And I think interesting question, because at, at the beginning, I would do a ton of work. I would make an outline um, I would have everything, every, everything I knew about the case, you know, yeah. which sometimes wasn't a lot, but I would have, have a lot of questions around certain topics. And I don't know, after I did that, maybe 10 or 20 times, I started to realize I wasn't even looking at my notes anymore. And you kind of start to like, not that, not that every story is the same, but a lot of stories have, have the same, the same flow to them, the same, obviously yeah. very important parts when you're talking yeah. about someone that's been arrested. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the situation you were in. Let, let's, let's talk about that arrest. Um, let, let's talk about the trial. Oh, oh you, you, there, there was a plea deal. What, what was the plea deal? What, 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 what was, uh, what was working there? And, um, you know, it, it pretty much like it, it, after doing it 20 or 30 times, like the only thing I would do is write an intro. And then I would have just a couple questions just off to the side in case I got you know stuck or something right. to look at. But for the most part, it was just having a conversation. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes that didn't work out well. I mean, sometimes you'll get a guess that, sure, they might have a great story, but they're not good at telling the story. <laughs> right. So it's just like you're just like kind of pulling this out of them. But, uh, yeah, it's it's I, I think I think podcasting. It's, it's it's weird. I mean, some of the people that you think maybe would be just very conversational. You don't have to, like, have a lot of questions. It's almost better to do that. Um, like some, someone like a Scott Horton, because he can get so, so off topic, not yeah. that you have time to ask the questions, right. but he can get so going a million miles an hour in one direction that you need to like, have something to look at. Like, how am I going to pull him back to what I want to talk about? That, but, yeah, I, let me interject on that. That, that is a great point. I've, I've said often that I think Scott Horton, as an example, if you listen to his own podcast, I almost enjoy that more because he'll interject mm -hmm. and he says some great comments in there, but Sometimes some of the best interviews and, and, and people might not like this, uh, is actually Nick Gillespie interviewing Scott Horton who interrupted him oh. constantly and, um, doing so it kept Scott in focused and it, it was a little bit different because Scott can just ramble. So a great example on that one, you know, uh, <laughs> um, back up just a tad bit. So you being yeah. a neocon very much kind of like myself or growing up or, uh, too, uh, my view of criminal justice kind of had that same thoroughfare line as well, which is, you know, not where it is now. Did that have to change for you as well? Or with, you know, like, I don't know what you were, um, as far as criminal justice side goes. Yeah, I think, I think where I fell on, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And that, that's a real, that's a good question. I got a, I got a pretty good story with that too, good, but good. I was just kind of reflect, I was kind of reflecting on like how, how I used to be before. And it's even hard to remember that far back, but you know, I, I, I was raised in a household with, with my father being an attorney hmm. and he's practiced almost every kind of law. He's done criminal law. He's done a lot of personal injury law. So I've heard, I've heard a lot of different stories and um, I was always because, you know, hearing these stories of people being falsely accused of crimes and things like that. Um, in one case, a teacher at the school we went to had, had been accused of a horrible crime. 
and you know ended up being just total total fabrication just total crap um so i had that part ingrained in me that our system the criminal justice system had issues and mm-hmm. you know if you heard if you heard something salacious you know don't don't just believe that right away as you know to take the time to look into it but at, at the same time like I was definitely raised in a community that was almost like a, like a bubble, you know, suburbia that was insulated from, right. you know, not to say that the high school I went to didn't have drugs and that in it, but um, the, the kids that got caught with drugs uh, didn't, you know, go to prison. Like it was, you yeah. know, they were, they, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they were, they were kind of protected. Right. Um, so kind of breaking that bubble, getting outside when I, I moved to, uh, after I graduated college, I started working in like a, in a, in a manufacturing environment, which was an eye opener because you're working with a lot of blue collar people, which was yeah. an awesome experience. I did that first in in Georgia, and then out in the Inland Empire, um, out in in Colton, California, is where the plant was. I, I, I know where Colton is. Yeah, yeah. Um, My and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, when I lived there, I would either drive to L.A. for the weekend, or I had a friend who lived in Palm Springs. I would drive yeah. there for the weekend, so I spent a lot of money and uh that's yeah that's about it (laughs) but in my time working there man i was you know i i met a lot of people who did have you know had had criminal records people that i hadn't talked to a lot of people like that in my life to that point and like to the extent i've I've told the story a bunch of times but like when i first got into that job in california um i was like a, a management trainee which is a kind of, kind of a stupid title. It just means they just give you work that they, they don't want you that they don't want to do themselves. So <laughs> I had the job of looking through like, like resumes and stuff. And it's kind of crazy to think you're going to get this kid out of college. Like, Oh, he knows resumes. He'll pick right, the right people. Right. That's the dumbest thing in the world. But they gave me these resumes to look through with very little instruction. And I was looking for like certain key things and kind of just on my own, I took the resumes that had like, you know, criminal stuff on it. If they had felonies or misdemeanors or stuff like that, I just took them out of the pile figuring, yeah, we don't want to hire those people. Uh And when I took like, when I took the resumes, whatever, 10 or 12 to the plant manager was like, Hey, here's, here's a bunch that we can, you know, bring them in for interviews. He's looking through them. He's like, how is there nobody here with a criminal record? I'm like, Oh, I got rid of those ones. I, I took them out. And he's like, John, like, half of the people working on the floor right now have a criminal record. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that, that, that was a big eye opener for, for me. And then getting to know those people, I mean, they're, they're no different than you or I, they've just made a, you know, in some cases made a mistake from a libertarian standpoint, we could argue really if it was a mistake or not, but they broke right. the law and they, they took a risk knowing that they were breaking the law. So, um, yeah, it's, that's, that was a big part of my evolution for sure. Going through that. Uh, so just kind of you're interviewing different people about uh, criminal justice and whatnot um, and their stories. Did you ever come across someone where you're just like, I'm not quite sure because you obviously you're somewhat skeptical on, on some of these things. Or did you just, I, have you ever gone in and, and like not quite believed uh, an interview of one of their stories? Yeah, and I, I don't remember the guy's name or this was a long time ago or the story particularly well. But there was a guy I interviewed and he was I, I don't I don't particularly like it's it's fine for people to reach out and say, hey, here's here's my story. I'd like to talk to you about yeah. it. That, that's great. Like, I'll follow up from there. Like if, if, if I want to do an interview um, and this guy was very persistent with wanting to come on my show and kept messaging me back. And that should have been like a red flag. Right. But. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I, I needed a guest really bad at the time. Who knows? Pod, in, in the podcasting life, sometimes that happens, right? Um, so I end up interviewing him. And essentially what, what his story was, he was accused of some horrible crime. I think it was, I want to say it was a sexual crime with, with a minor. And I wish I remember the details of, because of, there was also somebody who vouched for him. And I, I forget, somebody I knew, I forget, I forget who it was. Um, and as he's telling the story, like I'm asking questions, I'm like, this just doesn't, doesn't feel right. And he ended up to the way that he got a reduced sentence was through an Alfred plea, which you know what that is. It's essentially where, if I'm remembering correctly, where you're maintaining your innocence with the recognizing that 
with the evidence that's going to be presented, you'll probably be found guilty. I think that's yeah. basically summarizes it. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, and I interviewed him and I aired it and, you know, I, to this day, I kind of, kind of regret it, but I don't even remember the guy's <laughs> name. So to go, to go back and find that now would be, would be difficult. Well, maybe we'll do that. I'll, I'll go back and search and then we'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mentioned that Andy and I are going to be doing this uh, guy, this, this famous guy that wrote this book about his mistreatment in um, the family courts. And he's kind of been lionized on the, uh, I don't know if it's the right so much, kind of, you know, and, and he's the anti Amber Heard type of story that, you know, the Johnny Depp. So he's get, gets hate mm-hmm. from that side and a lot of love from the other. Um, and once again, I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm a family law attorney. So I'm listening, I'm reading the book and I'm like, things aren't adding up. There's, you're missing mm-hmm. something here. And I was, you know, when your clients come in and they tell you this, this story, you're like, okay, now let me read everything. And I want to, you know, see how things go. So I, I searched out his stuff. And, and like I said, we're going to talk about it. And it's kind of similar to that where it's almost disappointing. Um, I don't like to see people uh, for a cause that I would be full force and, and with kind of making up stuff to, um, to, to bolster their point, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's no good. And I guess that's kind of what this guy was doing or was he just trying to get famous? Well, I don't think he was trying to get famous for sure. Cause (laughs) at at that time, I don't know how big our reach was, but, um, I think who knows, maybe, maybe, maybe I just got the, got a, you know, a wrong vibe off of him and maybe, and maybe he was being genuine and maybe he was truly innocent. I don't know, but it was a, uh, it was, it was a strange interview for sure. Um, so where's your, what's your, um, long-time term plan here for the podcasting? Is it, is it still flourishing for you guys? Uh, so Lions of Liberty went under some uh, reconstruction, I guess, uh, some <laughs> change of management, uh, yeah. so to speak. Uh, how is that going? And, um, do you hate Mark? <laughs> <laughs> um, good and no, uh, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we, we went through some changes. So yeah, it's Brian and I now as the, the only two, the last two standing at, uh, at Lions of Liberty and Mark has his, his own show, the, uh, the Mark Claire show, which, um, which, I mean, Brian and I f- fully, fully support Mark and, uh, you know what he's doing. I think he just got to the point where he, he just wanted, and, and not that we would ever control each other's content or yeah. anything or say, Hey, don't do that interview or don't do this. He just wanted to do whatever, essentially just take his show in any direction he wanted to and um, essentially have the, you know, the, the full um, the full benefit um, of you know, w- w- whatever happens, um, which which is fine. And I think Brian and I, I mean, we were very close to just totally getting rid of Lions altogether and just going in three separate directions. But with talking with Brian, I think the two of us came to the conclusion that you know, this, this is lines of Liberty is, is a really strong brand that we built. And, you know, I I think Brian and I have enough in common. We are also very, very different in a lot of ways, which I think is good, but I think we have enough in common on the core principles and and agree on really how we think the best messaging for Liberty is that it it was worth uh, continuing to team up for lines of Liberty. And, Vision going forward. So, right. I mean, I just saw a, uh, I, su- I subscribed to this newsletter called Chartable. They send you like a bunch of yeah. charts about different trends and things. And this past week, there was one in there about like the podcasting boom coming out of the pandemic. And it showed like, you know, number of podcasts started. And in 2020, it goes way up, you know, above the line, like millions of, of podcasts started. And then it, came down in 2021 and even down more in 2022, I think down below even where it was in like 20, uh-huh. uh, 2019, 2018. And the same thing with like li- listenership, listenership went way up and came back down. And I, I think that kind of makes sense. I think we kind of had like a false sort of a false boom, early boom, maybe for podcasting uh, caused by the pandemic. And a lot of people started podcasts. I mean, you you know how much work a podcast is, and yeah. most podcasts don't make it past like what five episodes or something. A lot so of people yeah. started podcasts and realized I don't want to do this all the time. This is a lot of work. So, I guess the story with that is, I believe podcasting is honestly like the it's essentially like a like a land grab, um, and I, I, media is going to continue to shift from you know, the, the larger media outlets and cable and cable news and 
and uh, and all of that and radio into into podcasting. Um, and I, I honestly think that the, the major growth is is yet to come. And I mean, for that reason, Brian and I we're, we're investing heavily right now in advertising our show on on other other platforms. Um, I've I mean, I found in you know our time of podcasting the time that you get growth in a podcast other than like spikes here and there from big guests or, you know, getting shared by, you know, you know, somebody with yeah. a big audience is by really putting, putting money back into, you know, advertising and marketing your podcast and, you know, you'll, you'll get a, a big audience and then you'll retain some of them. Then you'll get a big audience and you retain some of them and you kind of slowly grow over time because it's, it's very, very hard <laughs> to grow a podcast. Yeah, uh, uh, trust me. I'm, 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 I've had it. I have started one in around 2016. It was cycling. Okay. And I kind of mm-hmm. dumped it uh, as the pandemic was coming in and, and started to do this. Part of it is, um, you know, it, the ease and, and there's some, there's some difficulties with podcasts, but there's some ease, which is I, there's things I want to talk about or write about. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this. And I'm like, you know, it'd be easier if I just talked about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's some, <laughs> some of those aspects as well. Um, so you and you and Brian are are, are combining this thing, and you're, you're planning on on growing it even more, which I'm I'm very excited to hear, by the way. Um, but tell me a little bit about what this changed with the podcasting from the time you started until now, uh, because you know when I was first doing it as well, I mean the ease of like Streamyard and recording it and doing the audio is in like you know mm. I have my intro that just comes in and out and then. Um, I just post that. I mean, it's it's pretty easy. Although I I do record, and I could do. I used to do a lot of you know audio editing as well, and I I don't because I could all mix yeah. it. And as we're doing the show, so what were those old days like in comparison to now? And are you spending as much time uh, behind the scenes uh, posting your post production? Yeah, when uh, when we started out, well, when Mark started out. Um, none of us knew anything about editing podcasts or how to even how to do that, how to, you know, mix audio together. None of us knew anything about it. And, you know, so the three of us, you know, sort of invested in Mark, what he was doing and we paid someone to, to edit podcasts back then. Then when I added mine and Brian added his, well, actually when I added mine, same thing, we paid someone, you know, we found off on one of those, uh, those services and like, I don't know, Czechoslovakia Fiber. or something to, yeah. to, 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 to <laughs> Czechoslovakia doesn't exist anymore. Probably, right. it's probably Slovakia. Maybe it's a Czech right. um, to, uh, to edit the podcasts. And like, I, I just thought, okay, that's what we'll do. That's what I'll do forever. I'll just have, you know, so-and-so edit the podcast. And then when you start to like change from, okay, now we want to start like making money with this podcast. We're getting a bigger listenership. It's like, and we're spending X dollars on editing. Like, how hard is it really to edit? And it's it's kind of funny. What, what ended up happening is I had an episode, one of my first ones with John Ziegler, where something happened funky with the audio, where the editor wasn't going to be able to get it done in time. She, she like, she's like, this is just too much work to do this. I can't have it. I'm like, I'll do it myself. So I taught myself to edit because of that. And that was the worst mistake she made because after I figured that out, I was like, oh, I'll just do my own editing. And from there on, um, I started doing my own editing. And like you said, with StreamYard, it's it's so easy right now. Um, and we've moved from uh, Lipson to Megaphone. So if we have ads, you know, either ads we're reading ourselves or you know, if you want to insert an ad to be auto-populated in, uh, Megaphone has, has that service. You just put a marker in there and uh, mm-hmm. you can upload upload audio to it. It's it's so easy to do. And like I think back to even a year ago, like having to like put these ads in and make sure in the right place and mix it all together. I'm like that's that's such such a waste of time. Not not efficient. But yeah, I I used to do like so much editing too. I would edit out like every um and ah uh and you know make it sound like perfectly. And if my guest was stuttering or I was stuttering, I would you know, clean clean everything up. And the only time I do that now is if like there's an audio issue or like, you know, somebody drops off of the, the stream and I'll go back and clean that up. But that's really the only editing I do anymore. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, this I assume this isn't your only job. Is it more of a hobby? Is it more of a, a little bit of extra income? What's kind of the, the process? Are you, you supporting your family with it? Um, n- no. Uh, so 
current at this point in time, I mean, we're not taking any money from Lions of Liberty and we're putting everything back in. We, we could be taking mm-hmm. money right now, but we've kind of chosen not to during the, uh, the pandemic. Um, you know, we, we did, we, we, we did, we definitely did take, take more out at that point in time. And honestly, when we stopped investing in, and we stopped advertising other shows um, and you know, who knows, I think a lot of factors led to it, but our, our numbers did drop during that time, um, during the pandemic. And I mean, we're definitely in a, uh, in a back to a slow upward trend, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to, hard to grow a podcast audience. You, especially now with there's so much competition yeah. and I find even like with the podcasts I listen to, there are, I don't know if there's any there's maybe maybe one or two podcasts where I listen to every single episode. It's, there's just, there's just so much competition for the uh, you know, for the time. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the interesting part about um, even what Mark's done about kind of rebranding. Is there anything, and I know uh, Brian changed the name of his, his podcast as well. Um, mm-hmm. Are you doing any rebranding? Do you feel like there's something you need to change to, to make sure that you're always kind of like, keeping those there, those because even though you said there's, there's hardly anybody you listen to the full episodes of, um, you know, not the, the podcast I love, sometimes you miss and then you're like, oh, maybe see mm-hmm. what the title is. Are you, are you doing anything to, to kind of keep that fresh? Yeah. I mean, with, with finding freedom. So when I changed, um, felony Friday to finding freedom, the, the, I mean, the main reason was the pandemic, the COVID lockdowns, everything that happened. Like I'm here talking about the criminal justice system and yes, it's terrible. There's all right. these issues, but right here is this happening in front of our face. You know, we're not allowed to go out eat, to eat at a restaurant. We have to wear, you know, a mask to, to go on a plane. And a lot of and people are having to get vaccinated to keep their jobs. I'm like, we, I have to be talking about this stuff. Like I, I, I can't, I can't have a podcast every week and not talk about, you know, these <laughs> right. infringements on our Liberty that are happening um, every, every single day. So, that was the initial thing was like, okay, I, I need to, I need to come up with a format where if I want to, I can still talk to, you know, people about the criminal justice system, talk to people who've been to prison. Cause I do enjoy that. I do, you know, I do enjoy hearing yeah. those stories. I have an audience of a lot of people who like those stories. So I, I don't want to just push that to the side and not keep any of it, but I want to be able to talk to, you know, people in business at that time. It was, you know, I want to talk to business owners who are, you know, really navigating these turbulent times with the COVID regulations, all this stuff. And then, you know, I want to talk to people in, in, in the health space. I want to talk to people, you know, back then with COVID, you know, w- what kinds of things are people doing, um, you know, to boost immunity, things like that. Um, and, and I want, I want to talk to people in the, in the faith space. I want to, I'm, I'm a Christian. So I want to talk to, I want to talk to other Christians. I, I want to talk to, you know, w- w- what do we see from uh, the spiritual side of things that are happening here? And I've kind of taken that all, all of that forward. And that's really what finding freedom is. It's, you know, looking for stories of inspiration, a lot of them coming from the criminal justice system. It's, uh, you know, looking at, at health, looking at faith and uh, really how you can use each of those things to really, find freedom to find freedom, not only in, in your own life, but hopefully help to lead others as well. So some great topics there that I, I wanted to dive into as well. So, um, now I know, I don't mean to harp on Mark and by the way, I'm going to talk to him in a few weeks as well. Um, you, you know, he's famously kind of ditched the libertarian kind of idea and, you know, it's changing mm-hmm. some of his thoughts there. Um, where are you along that lines? Is there, is there any kind of political, uh, you know, the COVID, the pandemic, I think, changed a lot of us, maybe. Um, but has have have you changed at all? Do you feel like you're still kind of there? Where where are you at on all this? That's that's a good question. And honestly, somebody keeps sending me messages right now. Hopefully, that's not coming through. No, um, do you want me to put them on? Keeps, <laughs> no, keep, no, keep keeps keeps pinging. Oh, um, no, I don't hear it. Yeah, um, that's that's a good question. Like if you if you asked me six months ago, I I, I mean what I was telling everybody was, you know, focus on local politics. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if, if that's the libertarian party, if that's the Republican party, um, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, but it, it, I get, I, I still feel this way now, but I'm st- I, really like the, the whole political system 
the way things are built, it's just, it's so, it's, it's, it's so incredibly broken. And I look at the Libertarian Party and, you know, people have talked about Dave Smith running. And I, I, I can't imagine not supporting Dave Smith if he ran for president sure. uh, just as a big middle finger. And because I agree with almost everything that he says. But at, at the same time, is it, is it really the, the best thing for, for Dave Smith to run right now? Is it the best thing for him to run for president right now? I, I, I don't know. Is, is it the best thing for, you know, for the country and really getting someone in there who could actually, you know, put their foot down and maybe, maybe stop some of this madness with the, uh, the woke mind virus. But I, I think the biggest change for, for, I guess the biggest change for me and where I am right now is just looking at local politics not even politics, local culture. And I see this in the community I live in where this, uh, you know, this, this wokeism just seeps in to everything. It's slowly seeping into the schools. And my daughter goes to, goes to public school and it's like, I always have to be on, on alert, you know, what's, what's happening here, what's changing in the curriculum. Um, and uh, luckily in the community we're in, it's, it's mostly, mostly conservative, but, uh, it's, I mean, it's, I think like a lot of places that are close to cities, it's just kind of becoming just over time, becoming more and more progressive, but that, I mean, that, I'm kind of rambling all over the place. Cause that's where my mind really is with, uh, with politics right now, especially after the, the midterms where I was really taken by surprise with the way thing, with how things turned out after the midterms. Yeah. N- not, not that I thought like, you know, there'd be a red, I did think there'd be a red, a red wave, but I didn't think like, Oh, there'd be a red wave and then everything will be fine because Republicans will be in control. Right. I, I didn't think that, but yeah. I definitely was surprised there, there wasn't a red wave. And I think the biggest takeaway I had from that was just how incredibly divided we are. Cause if you look at like the data of the, of the midterm elections, essentially what happened in most places, blue got bluer and red got redder. And all I mean, all that's saying is we're just getting more and more divided on these on these topics. And I don't really see a path forward like like a fix at the federal level that's going to make this country better. And when you start mixing in things like a central bank digital currency that is likely coming probably sooner rather than later. Um, and we saw what they did with uh, with, with the jabs. Who knows what else is coming with that? Um, they, they've just kind of showed themselves for who they are. When I say they, I just mean Democrats, Republicans, elites at, at that at that highest level. They're kind of they're kind of all the same to me at, at this point in time. So I don't no, know if I, I answered your question, but I, I no, but I, I think you know you said rambling or or kind of off. I think that's I totally get that though because that's kind of where I am as well. I mean, part of it is I found the Libertarian party, you know, what, 2016 or so. I've always had libertarian leanings, the, you know, reading Bastiat and stuff before, but I really got into it then, ditched the Republicans, and I was just, then I'm disgusted with the Republicans. So then you have, you know, the party that, uh, and kind of the, the li- post-libertarians that are kind of, you know, even Mark type of people who are pushing, kind of going back to the Republicans. And I am so disenchanted with that party after having mm-hmm. been in it all my life. It's just I'm like you know this is the <laughs> this is the whore wife that somehow I'm supposed to go back to. I mean I just can't take myself to go there. So, um, but I understand well, what what the need is. I mean, I, I well so I, I think I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting. So you're you're in California. So yeah. like your your perspective on the Republican Party, it's it's probably pretty similar to the way mine has become from from you know my state Pennsylvania. So I mean obviously California, very blue state. Um, but there are there are areas that that are red. Maybe out towards where you are, I'm not uh, pro- yeah, probably far, farther here. to the uh, yeah. But it, it, probably a, a lot of Republicans in California are catering. They're probably more towards the middle. I would think more centric. A lot of them, I yeah. would I would think in in order to in order to win. And you, I mean, you look at Pennsylvania. What happened with the last election was freaking John Fetterman winning a guy who couldn't even put a sentence together during a debate. And the Republicans of Pennsylvania put Dr. Oz up, right, which right. just just a horrible, horrible right. candidate. And they put up an even worse candidate for uh, for for governor. And th- that one was kind of weird because the Democrats funded him 
the the Republican candidate for cover for governor to get him in place. So it's politics is just so crazy right now. It's uh, and it's it's a lot of it hinges on and is being influenced by this this uh, this Trump this mega factor that Trump probably if he's being honest um, has no chance of winning in 2024. Right. I, I just can't see any maybe if he if he were to run against like Kamala Harris maybe he would win if elections are even real I I don't I don't know <laughs> oh, um, you're trying to get us blame, <laughs> hit off of YouTube thank you yeah no, well I, we're I, yeah <laughs> we're down that I was hole. say the, the, the uh, lions of liberty are pretty much banned on YouTube so yeah we're we're good at that yeah so people uh, hit us up over an Odyssey and Rumble and wherever else we are too. Uh, no, great, great point. And, and so I think there's some confusion there, but I think, um, you know, some of the best that you can do as a libertarian is try to hold these people's feet to the fire. You talked about Dave running. And I think Dave has even said his whole goal wouldn't be to win because that's just impossible, but it would be to, you know, which party is going to want to get those libertarian votes more mm-hmm. likely you're going to, you know, the right is going to be able to, uh, maybe glom onto some of them and maybe you can push that party and hold their, um, hold them accountable i don't know so that that seems to me on the on the federal level what the possibilities mm-hmm. could be so i don't know i guess we don't, yeah, know. I, I don't i don't know either man and on yeah if if dave runs i mean i i, I would probably fully support him I, I can't imagine not support i listen to part that's one i was we we're talking about podcasts one, yeah. we listen to every episode that's like one of the podcasts right. i listen to, to almost every single episode but It'll be really interesting to see because I was actually just looking earlier today. I was thinking back to previous um, elections. I'm like, when when do they normally announce? When do uh, you know presidential candidates normally announce? And it's normally like about now. Yeah. And I don't think we're getting close to. I, I can't picture like Ron DeSantis announcing anytime soon. Um, the other Republican candidates, um, Mike, was Mike Pence going to announce soon? I don't even know who else is going to run. Nikki Haley. Uh, and on the Democrat side, who, what's happening there? I mean, th- that's an interesting, uh, interesting story there with uh, what's happening with Biden and uh, the you know, the confidential documents. Do you, do you think that's an internal play, kind of like um, Governor New York that kind of, you know, he was killing people. They didn't want him in there anymore. And so they say, oh, you're you're touching girls or whatever inappropriately. And they, they got him out. So you think that's kind of the same thing that it's within his own party is kind of sabotaging him? I, I think it is because I, I think he's being totally serious saying that he wants to run again in uh, John Bolton. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's uh, true or not, but. Uh, it's, uh, oh, he, God. He I hope run. so. I hope that's true. That would be so hilarious. Um, yeah. What was the question again? That threw me totally uh, off. <laughs> I don't know. We can move on from there. Uh, so, look, this is our mental health. Let's talk about your physical health. So I know that you're you're going through this and, and you're talking about. Um, yeah, your re- religious side of things. And I think that mm-hmm. really helps people's uh, mental health if they have something that's higher than them. I mean, at least I'm a religious person too. And I believe in uh, that um, if you teach your kids that there's something higher than themselves, it's, it's a very positive thing to keep them a little bit humble and to um, just to go through life. So, but you're, you're also involved in, in physical health too. And I know that's mm-hmm. something that you, you post about on, on Facebook and you talk about. So why don't you give us a little understanding of, first of all, is that something that you've always grown up with and you're getting back into? Is it something that's new to you? What's kind of been your um, physical health projection? Yeah. So growing up, yeah, I, I was, I, I've always, not always when I was in high school, I, mean, I played, played sports, played football, played basketball. Um, I was into weightlifting. My mom was, was a health teacher, but you know, she's a health teacher and we, we ate, decently well, you know, considering that we were following the, the food pyramid back then. So a lot, <laughs> in a lot, of, car- yeah, a lot of carbohydrates. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've always at least had an interest in health. I've always had an interest in, in supplements. And, you know, I, as I've gotten older and I've started to learn more about really a lot of the, the pollutants that, you know, that we're ingesting, and, you know, as in the past couple of years, the more that's come out about gut health, you know, I think I, I think is extremely fascinating. But like my own personal story, like I kind of let my health get away. Um, I guess that would have been the time frame really starting when, when I started Lions of Liberty, probably oh, wow. in, in that area 
um, is probably when I started not taking care of my health. And it's very easy for, for that to happen. Uh, you know, especially, especially as a man, as you start to age through your twenties, it's very easy to put on weight and, and for yeah. women too. Um, very easy to put on weight. And I, but I think it's like more acceptable for, for men, which I think is a bad thing. I think like, you know, it's kind of like yeah. this thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I, have, I have a beer belly. What, why not? Why wouldn't I have a beer belly? I'm 30 years old. What, what, what's wrong with that? It's like, well, why? That's, that doesn't make any sense. What, what, what's, what's good about being fat? Um, so I'm probably pissing off your audience, all the fat people you have listening. No, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. You know, Mark has <laughs> talked about in the post libertarians about, you know, get your, your, your whatever in order. And I'm like, get your health, get your teeth. <laughs> and then I think those are two prime yeah. things to start with. So anyway, continue. Yeah. So like, I, I guess long story short, I'm not going to you know, tell my story in detail, but I, I was, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm six, five. So huh. like I was up to, almost 260 pounds, 250, 260. I didn't weigh myself every day, but I, I was in, I was in that neighborhood and I was just in a situation where I had zero energy ever. I lived off coffee, felt like crap. I literally drank coffee the entire day. I lived or I, I worked in an office that had one of those like commercial um, coffee machines where you just put your cup underneath, you hit them in the ounces you want and you get coffee. So that that's the only way I made it through my day. And I would still when I was be driving home from work, I would just still feel like complete and utter garbage. And I would come home. And at that time, my daughter was like 18 months old and you know, wanting to play. And I would just lay on the couch like a slug. And that, that was just, that was a wake up call. I'm like, this, this is not, this is not normal to be feeling like this. And, you know, started, um, you know, started taking some different supplements, started looking into, and it's not, it's not like I hadn't been uh, kind of even during that time I was starting, like that, that was back at, towards the beginning of like keto. And I experimented with like putting butter in my coffee and MCT oil and playing around mm. with that. And, uh, but I never like, I, I didn't take it all the way or I would, I would do it for a little while. The, the, the keto, the keto life just isn't, isn't for me. I, I can't stick to that. Um, I, I just don't want to live a life where that's, where that's all I eat. Um, nothing against keto because I, I think it does work for for a lot of people, but um, just just kind of figuring out. I think I, I went through a process of figuring out, you know, what my own body needs, what my own body reacts to. Um, I, I think I think that's a big part of health that is missing for people. That you know, you hear, hear people who advocate hardcore for the carnivore diet or yeah. hardcore for for veganism, and I think those diets can work for specific people, especially short-term, long-term, especially vegan. I, I don't know if that's good for anybody, but um, carnivore, I think there's some people that really can get away with carnivore for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, they just don't really need any fiber and they can, they can just function fine. I think most people probably, probably need fiber because fiber is what is yeah. going to help your, your gut microbiome. Um, it's going to you know feed those good prebiotics to, to feed your good gut bacteria. But to, I guess to tell my whole story real quickly. So after I started focusing on my health, started working out more. My energy came back. I started running more. I was up to a point where I was running like 15, 20 miles a week during the pandemic. And, uh, I don't run that much anymore just because I'm kind of in a place where I can maintain my weight pretty easily. And I enjoy running, but I don't really enjoy running like, you know, 20 miles a week. It kind of <laughs> gets yeah. old and, and I'm not sure if it's good for my joints long-term either, but I, I, I got to a point where, where, where I really started to understand that, you know, when we're eating things, when we're, when we're really picking what we're going to eat, thinking about what is this going to do to my body? You know, if I'm going to have a piece of, uh, a piece of pie, sure. Yes. I, I love pie. I'm never going to stop eating pie, but I'm going to eat, you know, pie or ice cream every night. Um, I'm going to look at the ingredients. I mean, th that's been a huge change for me. It's just starting to look at ingredients. I try not to have anything with high fructose corn syrup in it. Sure. It's going to sneak in. You go out to eat. You're at someone's house. You're going to have it. I'm not like a, a freak about it like that. But if, if I'm like buying something for myself or you know, my wife's the same way, buying something for our house, we're not going to buy anything with high fructose corn syrup. We're going to try not to give that to her daughter, but same thing. If our daughter's at a friend's house or at school and she has it, you know, we're not going to freak out. Um, artificial sweeteners. I think artificial sweeteners are like one of the worst things out there. And there's like a big controversy about artificial sweeteners in like the nutrition community. And there's people, 
good people on both sides of, of this <laughs> argument to uh, to quote Donald Trump. But my thing with artificial sweeteners, it, it's it's really the sweetness of it. How how sweet it makes your food, I think, is the worst part about them. Mm. It, it makes it hyper palatable to the point where you're getting this incredible rush of sweetness that is 600 to 700 times sweeter than just regular sugar. And what happens, you get all this sweetness, like if you're drinking a Diet Coke, super sweet, but there's no calories. And your body gets that and it gets a signal, wow, this is so sweet, this is awesome. Where's all the calories? And you get no calories. So what then's happen, what's the, what that triggers is I need to eat something. I need some calories, I need to eat something. Yeah. So a lot of people who get, you know, start drinking Diet Coke or who, who consume a lot of artificial sweeteners, not everybody, because for some reason, I think some people, um, some people it works for, but I think the vast majority of people um, are really, they end up getting in this, in this situation where when they're trying to lose weight, they end up, end up gaining weight or, or plateauing. So it sounds like you and your wife are, are on the same page uh, for, for yeah. a lot of this. And that's probably really helpful. My, my wife and I are as well. I, so I used to do a, a lot of bike racing, and, and I had a real bad accident a few uh, about a year and a half ago, and I gained a ton of, <laughs> a ton of weight. So I'm back on the, the mend of trying to put that back. So I'm back in. My wife and I are, are doing some things together. And it, it is. It's a motivating way. What's, what's your kind of secret to uh, maintaining uh, you know, longevity of, of a healthy lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the more that I've learned, especially recently in the past year, is the importance of of lifting weights and of building up, building up skeletal muscle. Mm -hmm. um, I think that really is like the key to anti-aging. That's, that's one of the other reasons mm -hmm. why, why I'm running less, um, because it's, it's so important ha having that muscle mass. I mean, just from a you know, logical standpoint, as you age to be able to, you know, lift things up, to be able to lift yourself up, right. keeping that strength, but also from, you know, keeping a high insulin sensitivity, having more muscles going to make that much more easy to happen. Um, so I, I think that that's incredibly important. It's also incredibly important to have some sort of system. And I, I don't mean like you plan all your meals for the week, and you eat the same thing every day. Although that works for some people. Some people love that yeah. and you know, more, more power to them. Um, but having some sort of system you can measure either from, and, and you can tweak if you need to, either from, I think you need something from a supplement standpoint. Um, you need something from a diet standpoint. Like for example, with like for breakfast, I would say at least six days a week, I eat three eggs and then I'll either have like, you know, a little bit of additional protein, either, either not normally sausage, but, um, today I had some sausage, but normally something like maybe a little Greek yogurt or, uh, some cottage cheese, something like that, or maybe a, a small protein shake. Um, I think it's good to have like a, at least one meal a day like that. That is, that is pretty, pretty certain that you can build around. And, um, and then also at the same time, and I, I don't write my meals down, but I, I think if you're coming from a place that you're trying to lose weight, that is a good first step. Just start writing down everything you eat because it's easy to kind of just forget and uh, to kind of just discount things. But I, I've kind of got to a point with my body that, I, I mean, I, I can tell before I ever step on a scale, you know, if, if my if my weight or, you know, if, if I'm if I'm gaining more fat in my midsection than I'm used to, like pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, just by, you know, just by being in tune with, with what I'm eating and like these past holidays, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, like three or four days of just, and not even like going, going totally nuts, but just like eating a little bit more, you know, having a slice of pie every day, having a couple beers and, and just, just like that, you know, I'm, I'm 39 years old. Things, things change really quickly. But the cool thing is though, if you have a system, if you have something to go back to and it's so easy to get back on track. And you can tweak that system over time. Like our bodies change over time. What they need changes over time. So having a system for, for your diet, having a system to stay healthy. You know, if that's a lot of people like playing tennis or playing pickleball, um, I, I probably would love playing pickleball. I'd, I'd love to start playing, but I don't. Um, but my, my wife and I, we're just in a season right now in our life where our daughter goes to school, gets on the bus at 730 in the morning. We go right to the gym most days, like four days a week do a workout, come back and, and we, and we both work from home. So we work. 
Um, just get a system that's that's easy, something you could do. And it doesn't have to be something crazy, like difficult. You don't have to start by going to the gym four or five days a week. Start by going for a walk four or five days a week. I mean, I, I think I think that is huge. Or if if you live in a cold climate, like like I do in Pennsylvania, you don't want to go outside and go for a walk, buy, which I'm thinking about doing this, buy one of those. Um, and if you work from home, buy one of those like desk treadmills. Have you seen these Yeah, (laughs) like little tiny treadmills? And if you're in a meeting, you're on a conference call, you can walk, you know, on a treadmill and move and not just sit there like a slug. Uh, and I would even suggest you talked about the food and and planning your meal or like, uh, writing down your meal. I've done a Mm -hmm. thing when I really want to start focusing with of calorie counting. Now that's a little bit extreme, but you could use these apps that you add in your food. And they, the, the great thing for me on those is it's like, if you're going to actually do it and, and you know, on your phone, it's like a game. It's super easy is you start to realize every little thing you, you eat is just even worth it. You know, a, a muffin mm-hmm. here. Well, th- these are the calories and, and th- you can see the nutrition in there and you could tell, is this something I really want to do? And should I have this maple bar? Uh, so anyway, that, that, and then I wouldn't say, uh, rely on that for, you know, forever, but that, that is one good way to start to understand the, the, in the concept of, of everything you're eating. Do, do you, um, do you, do you do anything like that or are you kind of beyond that now? I calorie counting just, just never worked for me, but I think it does work for a lot of people for, for that reason, because a, a lot of people have, have never looked at like the label on their food. You know, they've never really yeah. looked at, uh, you know, the, the, the macros they've never looked at how, how much protein they're getting. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that that's mainly the only thing. Well, I, I look at ingredients on the label and I look at protein and that's, that's all I look mm. at. I, I really don't even don't look at calories. I, and I mean, I think I posted something on Facebook a little while ago um, against counting calories and I, I'm not, I'm not against it, especially as a way to start. I think it's a good, it could be a good introduction for, for a lot of people to start doing that just to just that building that awareness. But, you know, I think as you start to start to learn your body and, and learn, you know, how it deals with different foods, um, you'll really start to learn that like not all calories are create are created equally. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's some things that, you know, might, might have a lot of calories, but I mean, your body might, might burn them more, uh, more efficiently. Um, there's, there's, you know, cal- even in the food you eat, like, this is, it's crazy with like uh, the gut microbiome, how like if you're eating a bag of Doritos, th- those Doritos are feeding my, uh, my uh, bacteria in your gut that is going to cause you to crave more of those Doritos. Mm-hmm. So like if you just kind of start counting calories and like, oh, I can have these few Doritos here. Um, not that you should never have Doritos, they're delicious. I, I do still eat Doritos <laughs> sometimes. But you just, have, you just have to be aware of that. Like what, yeah. the same thing with eating good things, eating healthy foods, eating good, good protein and and vegetables and, and fruits, your body's going to start craving that stuff. If you're eating ice cream and sugar and crap, your body's going to start craving that stuff. It's, It's amazing how we will go down the rabbit hole on all kinds of things that aren't as important as taking care of ourselves. And you know, just what you're saying there about the, your gut and your microbiome, all these little things is, it's like listening to my wife, what you're saying right here, because she talks to me about all this stuff all the time. And I don't always know what's going on. I just, she just tells me what to do, but we don't, we don't always dig into this enough. And I think it's a, it's a great thing what what you're at least doing and you're kind of pushing this out there. I I love to see that um, people are are focusing on their health. One thing that happened kind of during the pandemic thing, I, I noticed that as a, I had more time to be at home, uh, extra time to be working out. And I'm like, we're getting as fit as possible during this time and just, you know, be as healthy. And so in case, who knows what this thing is happening, you got COVID and it was no big deal. And, um, and I think it's helpful because we were getting a lot of vitamin D and being outside. And that was just kind of a great way to, um, to continue on. Um, any, you, you, your thir- go ahead. I was just going to say you, you had like the perfect reaction to COVID oh, get, yeah. get healthy, get out in the sun, which is, yeah. which is not what the government wanted people to do. No, no, it was stay inside and drink wine. I, I did drink beer. I, my, I, I started early <laughs> on. Um, my wife's working. She's always working from home and, and, and me as an attorney, the courts were closed. So I'm like goofing around. And I, I meant, I said the word vacation accidentally. And she's, she just lit up on me and she's like, this is not a vacation. Why don't you do something useful? So I built a chicken coop. And while I was doing that, I drank a lot of beer and <laughs> it's caused oh, some nice. problems for me. So do, do <laughs> yeah. you still have the, you still have chickens then? 
Uh, yes, we still have chickens. We have a bunch of chickens. We have a nice, uh, pretty good sized place here. And um, the, the chicken coop is like the Taj Mahal of chicken coops. It's uh, it's fantastic. It it we had bad storms. It it makes it through it all. Um, it's it's pretty fantastic. So how long did it take you to build it? Uh, a few weeks. It was a kit, yeah. not a kit. Let me just take a, they get, I, I bought instructions off the internet. Is it, this, I'm, I, I'm asking because this is with oh. the price of eggs. I'm, I mean, I'm being honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about building one myself. That's why I, I'm asking. I, and by the way, I'll, I'll send you pictures, whatever. It's, okay. it's, it's quite extensive. Um, but it, it took me a few weeks to do, um, you know, building all the, and I wasn't Mr. Super Mr. Handy, but, um, what, you know, it, it's, it's another aspect of what you're talking about health and taking care of yourself. What it also did was I built this thing and I'm like, oh, I, I may not be able to finish cabinets that are going to look nice, but mm -hmm. I could definitely do things. And then I started doing more stuff around the house. Next thing you know, mm -hmm. I'm putting in new floors and all kinds of stuff in here. And it's just like, um, my wife does, no matter what uh, people may think of me personally, um, she does like to think of me as a man. And when you go and you do these manly things, it does yeah. give you some self-confidence and she likes yeah. it. So it's, it's a, it's another aspect of health, mental health, and just being kind of that, um, that man of the house too. I don't know. I don't there, know. There's there a lot to there. be, there's a lot to be said for, for working with your hands. In fact, I think, I think Jesus yeah. said that, that we should mention that we should <laughs> right, be working with our hands. So, yeah. yeah. So have you always been religious? And we'll, we'll cap it off here, but have you always been uh, religious or is this something that's uh, more new? I, I was raised in, in the Presbyterian church okay. and yeah, I've always believed in God, but I think it's, it's very new. My recognition of just the evil that, that, that is in this world yeah. and uh, the, the role that Satan plays in that evil. That was like, like growing up in the Presbyterian church, like, like you talked about before, it was it was a good upbringing, you know, learning about a higher power. I think I think that's really important for kids, but I didn't learn about really the other side of it you know, until until more recently, and that that's been really eye opening eye opening for me, and has been I mean, it's helped my faith to grow tremendously as well. So uh, I, that's probably a great way to end this here, John. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you, and are they going to start seeing a bunch of uh, Lions of Liberty ads now on other podcasts? <laughs> Yeah. In, in fact, you, you okay. talked about Reason and uh, Nick Gillespie. Um, uh, I think our first ad ran on his show today. So if you oh, listen to his I'll show, to you'll probably, probably hear it there. And we're on a, we'll be on a bunch of uh, other other platforms too. So um, when you hear the ad, you can you can smile knowing that uh, it came. it's intentional and, and we put it there to grow our podcast. So um, when you hear the ad, you should probably go to Lions of Liberty and give us a nice five-star rating and, and leave, a, leave a review because you know we're trying our hardest. But, yeah, I mean, you can find us, obviously, anywhere you find podcasts. You can find us at lionsofliberty.com. Um, we do also have solo feeds, uh, Mark and Brian, of our shows, Mine, Finding Freedom. You can find that by searching Finding Freedom and my name, John Odermatt. It'll definitely pop up with my name. might pop up with just finding freedom, but there might be a couple other finding freedoms. And then with Brian, his is mean age daydream, his feed. And the reason we do the solo feeds is because like I said before, Brian and I do do some different things. So occasionally you might want to share an episode and not share from the, from the full feed and just from our feed, which is, which is totally fine. So that's really the main reason that we do that. And uh, I'm on Twitter at John Odermatt. I think that's it. Well, great, great. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, um, I'm. Uh, you also have a Patreon because I'm actually a, a member of that. So yeah, can yeah. Go Thank you. Subscribe there. Uh, I sat next to Brian at the uh, Reno convention, and now you say you're six five. You, you're the tallest member of the the Lions of Liberty, right? I am. Yeah. Okay. That's, what, that's, one that's, one that's, of the tallest podcasters. I've heard yeah, that. Uh, yeah. I've heard that. I think. Uh, I think it's Chuck from Good Morning Liberty. Uh, I don't know if you know, know those guys. We're actually advertising no. on on their show as well. Okay. But uh, I've heard he is like six seven, so uh, he, he might have me. Dave Dave Smith though, I'm taller than Dave Smith, but Dave yes. Smith does have longer arms, longest arms in Liberty Movement. If you uh, I, ever see him in person, I did not know that. Um, I did take a picture with him, and he and he did put it there. You know who did not though? Nick Nick Gillespie. I took a picture with him. I kind of put my arm around, and he did the hands out. He did, did not he? want to be me too. So um, there we go. John, thank he's you probably, for coming He's on. probably been down that road before. But. <laughs> yeah. And he looked at me and he said, this is suspect. Uh, I am supposed to have Nick on my show too. He, he's uh, been DMing me for about two months here and nothing's happened. But 
uh, we'll get on that. Anyway, John, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a long time coming, so I appreciate it. All the best of luck to Lions of Liberty. Everybody go check them out. Uh, tune back in here on Friday. As I said, Andy and I are going to break down this, uh, this book. So thanks, everybody. Take care. Oops. Okay, I'm leaving now, bye guys. But she's back. And now. Chick-fil-A is completely overrated. It's not that good. I prefer Zaxby's. I prefer Popeye's. Takes a tough man to make a tender forecast, Nick. And I guess that's me. <laughs> Keep fucking that chicken. For, should I vote for Dick Cheney on the Libertarian Party? Do yes. I have an obligation to vote for Dick Cheney? I would say so. Yes. Did it work for those people? <laughs> no, it never does. I mean, these people somehow delude themselves into thinking it might, but... <laughs> But it might work for us. That one dude was like, not a podcast. I can't find it anywhere. And they don't have video. Oh, yeah. Peter Janky. Yeah. He's yeah, a- I blocked him. I'll do it. If he unblocks me, I'll... I'll- <laughs> He'll buy your shirt if you unblock him, Bert. He's a wigger. Yeah, nothing cooler than so a 49-year-old wigger. Like, yeah, I just started I live streaming. Cut me some slack. I'm fucking... I'm pretty high-tech for a boomer. Uh, but anyways... I'm a boomer. I-